Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and I am so excited to share this extracted audio from our Rodeo Kids monthly Zoom with Haley Kinzel and Emily Weissel with you. These ladies are so talented in the arena and just amazing overall human beings outside of the arena that took the time out of their day to share their experience and their knowledge and their advice with us during this Zoom. And it is awesome. Everything that they have to say is spot on. So make sure that you have a notebook, piece of paper, download this podcast so you can listen to it again, share it with your friends so that they can gain from it too. And make sure to drop a note to Haley and and Emily on your social media. Let them know that you listened to their podcast with rodeokids.com on Instagram, Facebook, um, however you prefer to share it and let your friends know about it too, because there's so much good stuff in here that everyone can learn something from. So without further ado, we welcome three-time world champion and five-time NFR qualifier Haley Kinzel and three-time NFR qualifier Emily Beisel. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. You know, like for, for me, um, you know, I, there's a lot of great, I mean, you know, my husband and son, their stepson, he got to come up to Estes Park and we spent a few days doing fun stuff like that. So there's some, I'm really positive experiences um, you know, there, it's just a wide variety. You've got to take it all with, you know, the good and the bad. Yes, definitely. What's it like for you, Haley? Yeah, I totally agree with Emily on, um, the fact that for it's changes on everybody does it differently. And, um, you kind of just have to figure out what works for you and your horse and, and your family back at home because your support system is everything. And, So a lot of what we do depends on what's going on back at the house and how long we're able to stay out for. And uh, like she said, it kind of depends knowing where your horses can win. If you need to go to a lot of rodeos and chip away, or if you can do well at some really big ones, um, that's kind of a risky way to do it, but it's worked out for me the last couple of years because of sister. Um, And then, you know, that will probably change over time in my life, whether it's having other horses or having a a, family at home, anything like that. So very situational for everybody. Um, I I do agree that getting to stay in one place for a couple days is great, although you never get to do the things you think you're going to do. (laughs) We try so hard to like (laughs) see the town and see the sights and I can't tell you how many times my grandma has been like, you know, that's a beautiful city. Please go to the cathedral in Salt Lake. And I'm like, it's hot. I'm going to take care of my horses. Like I'm tired. You know, if you get a day off, you just want to sleep. It's the most exhausting thing. Really, no matter how much you're going or how many horses you take, it is truly exhausting. Um, Part of that is the traveling and taking care of horses 24 seven, but a large part of that's competing in really intense setups and uh, intense rodeos where you're putting all of your effort and all of your adrenaline into the competition and you can feel pretty drained afterwards so it's really important to keep yourself feeling good as well so 
we try and focus on that, you know, keep my horse healthy and keep myself healthy also. And if you can master those things as well as win, you're doing great. But sometimes you're just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. So like you said, keeping your horse healthy and keeping yourself healthy, like what does that look like? I mean, every, everybody's different, you know, and it's like, um, yeah, I, I tend to like drive all night and I do, you know, I, that's sometimes maybe not the smartest thing. Um, you know, but like Haley and I, when you saw us up at Fort Madison, you know, I left that night and I thought I'll just drive part way. And I got part way home and I was like, forget it. I'm going to get all the way home. And, uh, anyway, so I was home by the time the sun got up, you know, that was a nine and a half hour drive. Um, wow which makes me so tired the next day, you know, and, and whatnot. And Haley, she, she did her, she split it up and took her time. And so like, sometimes I'm like, gosh, I wish I could be rational like that. But I think it's the, the redhead in me that I just absolutely some, I don't know, I, I get an idea and I just uh, <laughs> kind of run with it, but it's not always the best decision. So it's, <laughs> we get a little road weary from time to time. <laughs> I do agree. It's the red hair. I haven't found any other reason why she does the things she does, but, um, yeah, it, that once again, to, to each your own, it's like, what are you getting home for? Like, how are your horses going to rest best? How are you going to rest best? I think everybody takes care of themselves differently. You see a lot of people out there that just, you know, kind of look like they've, they've lived a hard life, um, because they chose to. And then like, they're, <laughs> There's Emily who's like fit and, you know, has great skin because she like prioritizes health and there's not a lot of people that do that. And I, I would say that's the preferred way to go. That's kind of the goal to be able to stay like, you know, healthy from the inside out as well as uh, keeping your horses healthy and everybody prioritizes that differently. So it's very, uh, again, situational, very much a personality based thing of how you handle that stress and exhaustion. Yeah, I sure agree to that. And one thing that we've been, um, the Rodeo Kids Ambassadors, and some of the other people on here have been on another Zoom with, um, we've been doing workouts with a Tarleton State University professor and research scientist. And he started creating workouts specifically for different events in rodeo. And so that's been pretty cool. We've been learning about like how much it can help and benefit you when you stay physically fit and healthy um, especially if you're catering to your event, because there's so many different ways to do it. But like you said, to each their own. And it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of new in rodeo to really be fit. Is, is that, are you guys seeing more of that now? No, I mean, I, I certainly think so. I think it's, um, you know, a, a new, newer idea um, that people are like, hey, you know, we're athletes too. Mm -hmm. And not just about the horses, like we need to be um, you know, healthy and, and, you know, cognitive of like what, what we're putting into our bodies and, um, you know, and taking care of ourselves as well, especially, you know, when you are putting in the hours and lots of miles and, you know, sometimes meals are few and far between, um, you know, especially if you're driving a bunch, you know, I, uh, know we both try to eat pretty healthy and, you know, it's just, it's hard, uh, on the road. It's so much easier to just stop and grab fast food, but, you know, it is a lot more beneficial for you if you'll, you know, run back to the trailer and grab something you've prepped or, you know, uh, my favorite is just to like whip up an omelet real quick. Um, just yeah. something, me some, some good protein so I can keep going. Um, you know, but there's no right or wrong way to rodeo. Um, everybody, you know, has something that works for them. And then even when it does work, it may change 
depending on their situation, um, you know, and circumstances as, as life goes on and evolves mm-hmm. and, you know, the horses we have changed, the rodeos we go to every year seem to change, especially through all the COVID stuff. Um, you know, there's been a lot of adjustments we've had to make and what we thought was kind of our standard season. Yeah, I'm sure that changed a lot of things for you guys. And just even like the the tradition of how people do it has probably shifted too to where there was just a way that it worked for so long for a lot of people. And now it's like, oh, we got to reevaluate that and readjust from that. We have a question from Steely. So when you're talking about keeping your horses healthy, what was what do y'all do to keep y'all's horses healthy as y'all are going down the road? I'll start there. I was waiting on Emily. She, you know, uh, sometimes I'm afraid if I speak, she'll just call me. It's the red hair I'm scared <laughs> of, but um, just kidding. No. Anyways, <laughs> with that said, um, you know, staying away from scary people is important to keep yourself and your horses healthy. Um, safety is the biggest thing, really and truly. Like, all jokes aside, safety is important if you can find a place to stay where your horse is going to be safe you can alleviate like nine out of ten problems um if it's an unsafe place if they feel scared or timid they're going to be stressed they may be pacing around they may get, get their legs stuck in the fence like barbed wire or old wood or you know broken pipe stuff like that like be very vigilant about where you're staying where you're keeping your horses, um, that's really important because if you can eliminate stress and eliminate the the kind of dumb boo-boos like that, where they just do something silly, um, that's one easy way to keep your horse healthy. Um, I would say there's a lot, it's a very broad question, a very good question, but there's a lot of things. One really important point or key that I would say and that I'll highlight for you is hydration. Um, you can once again, keep them healthy all across the board when it comes to internally, um, you know, they're keeping their immunities built up so they don't get sick, as well as uh, not getting muscle sore to where they can sustain an injury. Um, Hydration is really important. So electrolytes are helpful, um, teaching them a pattern of drinking. Um, For me, it's every time I stop the trailer. So if I'm driving, I may not be unloading them, but if I come to a stop at a, a, you know, a gas station or somewhere to get food, or even if I'm stuck in traffic and sitting still, I'm gonna put a water bucket in front of them and give them the opportunity to drink. And they've learned over time, over a habit that every time the trailer stops, they get to drink. And that habit has helped them kind of learn that they need to have a sip. And they may only swish their mouth around, but it's better than nothing. Um, Wetting down your feed can be helpful if you get somewhere and they're not drinking. So lots of different ideas, but I would say that's a really important one. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Emily? I, I am right there with Haley. Um, you know, like the Fort Madison deal, part of the reason I drove all the way home is I had taken my Colt with me. Um, it was his first road trip. He was a four-year-old and he's pretty watchy. Um, so sometimes it's not even just the safety of the horses, but, uh, safety for me too, especially when I was by myself and I had three horses, uh, for me, if I were to stop and unload, um, and put them in pins that night, I wouldn't have slept a wink you know, cause I'd have been nervous for that Colt, just wondering how he was going to handle it. And also like putting him in an, in a situation where he's not sure of things yet. Um, so that was, you know, sometimes, you know, we process that stuff and it, it does alter, you know, how we're, how we're doing things. Now, if I've got, you know, just Chongo and Pipe Wrench 
on the trailer, you know, I'm going to do things different and for sure, like keeping water in front of them, giving them electrolytes, that sort of stuff is really important on these long hauls. Now, I think, you know, in junior rodeo and stuff, I never traveled that far except for like nationals or little birches finals and whatnot. Usually it was within an hour or two of the house, but, um, you know, we're talking halls where, you know, you're putting five or 600 miles on the trailer. Um, you know, and typically that when you're, when you're going that far, I feel like some adjustments need to be made, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, you <laughs> knowing places to stop is really important. And it's, it's hard to always have someone that, you know, on every route, especially if you're going to be pulling in at two or three in the morning. Um, so there's a lot of fairgrounds that we pull into and we're so grateful that they leave their doors open for us. And usually, you know, they just have a money box. Um, you know, so I think it's something really important too, that you take care of those people that take care of you, clean your stalls, you know, when you don't leave trash and stuff out. So that way that they'll leave their, their gates open and, um, you can get, get your horses out and walk them, water them, whatever you need to do while you're traveling. Yeah. How do you go about finding those fairgrounds? Is there a listing somewhere? Or is that just word of mouth? Yeah. There's a Facebook page um, that that most of us barrel racers are on. Um, and two, you know, we use Facebook a lot and rely on each other to say, hey, you know, I'm on this route. Does anybody know of a good place to stop? Um, so, you know, that's something that just kind of, uh, you know, asking, you know, people usually are pretty willing to help and give you some guidance as far as that goes. And the ones once you've been on the road and kind of have a routine, like it's you kind of have your spots you like to stop. Uh, and that, that makes it a little easier, but, you know, last year, I mean, goodness gracious, we were doing circles around the United States because rodeos were so few and far between we weren't, you know, the, some of them were scheduled, you know, we were going to come to Iowa, mm -hmm. that one got last minute, you know, I mean, it just, you never knew what was going to happen. So, um, that was kind of crazy, but this year it's been a little more normal. And yeah. so we've to a plan. Good. Charlotte Kovar has a question. What do you look for in a barrel horse? <laughs> um, yeah, really great question. I will prefer a horse that is kind and willing and uh, wants to do what I ask it to do. That kind of puts aside everything you think about with like confirmation, um, you know, breeding, all those things are important. Like they have to be fast to be really good. They got to turn tight to be really good. You prefer one that's sane so they don't hurt you. Um, stuff like that's important. But I, I just want to like say to all of you, oh, there's a lot of different kinds of horses that can make a barrel horse. Like let's not put this in a box. Barrel racing is three turns and four straight lines. So I count right, yeah four straight lines, three turns. A lot of horses can do that. And a horse that's will, you can learn to do it their way and you guys can meet in the middle. That's the most important. So when you're talking about meeting a horse and trying to get to know them, um, I want a horse that's willing to work with me. Very good answer. Emily, what do you say on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, one that's got a good kind eye typically is pretty attractive just initially. Um, you know, you can kind of tell on the ground, their ground mannerisms, you know, what they're going to be like. Um, but there's always an exception to the rule. Uh, I, I think that my horse Bo is a little bit that way. I was maybe a little quick to judge him when I bought him. He was a four-year-old and uh, he's cinchy, he sets back. He absolutely <laughs> in all pace. So he's really difficult to worm. He's not very fun to shoe. 
Um, there's a lot of quirks that he's got, but, um, you know, he's pretty well set in his ways. And so once I kind of learned to navigate that with him, he's extremely willing. Um, he has got the biggest heart. He's so gritty and he's the kind of horse that I can run in any situation. And I know he's going to try really hard for me. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of it is too, you know, you, you want to look for those good characteristics in them. Um, but also, you know, get to know your horse, um, and make sure that you, you give them a fair chance too. Cause, um, you know, sometimes judging a book by its cover is not always, um, the best way to, to look at it. And I, I think part of that is, you know, a prime example. I, I looked at Chongo in 2015 and I decided not to buy him because he had a sway back, <laughs> you know? And so I'm picking myself for three years thinking, why didn't I get that horse bought? I should have bought him. And fortunately I got a chance to get him bought in 2018, but, um, you know, I, I judged him because of, of a confirmational flaw. And so that's what, you know, and Haley says, you know, it's, it is, it's four lines and three turns. It's not that complicated. Uh, you just got to have a horse that's willing and has a big heart and, and make sure that, you know, you're, you're listening to them and trying to help them be the best they can be. Yeah. One thing that was a big eye opener for me recently, just in the confirmation department and what I look for in a horse is that I went and ran a half marathon, which is a little over 13 miles. And when I watched the different kind of people that were running and the different shapes and the different sizes and the different leg lengths and all of that in humans. And I was like, wow, there were all different kinds of people competing on this course. And they were all doing very well. Like there were people who were not in as good a shape who could beat me or that didn't look like athletes by the per se, what we standardize as an athlete and they did great. And I think that's true for our horses too. Um, and how important is it to know like what style fits you? Is there a certain style of horse that fits you or? Um, I think I, um, for Eat the sheep he's yelling now now she's gonna yell at me <laughs> the floor is yours Haley <laughs> thank you um I think uh for me it that really depends on your stage of life and what you decide to be so if you want to be really competitive at something you're going to right now, like uh, your like your youth rodeo finals, and you're getting ready for that, then you maybe want to really focus on one horse that is your style that fits you right now, versus you may be in kind of a growing period later on in life where you have a couple different horses that are different styles. Um, I remember when I had TJ and was starting to run sister at the same time, um, my dad was concerned because they're very polar opposite that I would not do as well on her because I was still riding him. And my mom would explain to him, but see, this is where she grows as a rider. This is where she's able to extend her skills. And yes, that means every once in a while, you're going to make a mistake on one horse or the other. So in the meantime, you just kind of have to accept that this is a stage I'm in. I'm trying to learn and grow and be a better rider to fit both of my horses. Um, but then again, if I got into a situation where I was trying to focus on one, focus on one horse to get me to that goal. You know, I started out on a great big horse. He was 16 one. Um, I crashed barrels and foals left and right. It was a miracle if I ever made it through a clean. And then my next horse was 13, three hands and, you know, short strided and honest as the day is long. Um, 
So that was quite an adjustment, you know, and I think that it is good to um, test yourself, challenge a little bit, you know, and not necessarily be like, this is the kind of horse I have to have, but also you want to be successful. So, um, you know, having an idea what style, you know, if you are a very push style rider, getting a free runner is not going to work. Um, you know, <laughs> I've seen that before. Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, when somebody goes in there really hustling a horse that, needs a quiet, um, you know, rider with somebody with real gentle hands and, and they're, you know, whipping all the way to the first barrel. So, you know, you've got to be smart about, um, you know, the kind of horse that you're, you're buying, um, or looking at, but I, I feel like, um, honestly, I mean, my, my three rodeo horses are all fairly different, you know, Chongo, it depends on the pin, um, as to what he's like. And I, and I do think these rodeo horses evolve, you know, over time, they, they make changes too. Um, they learn to take care of themselves and feel the ground and understand that the barrel is only 15 feet off the fence this time. And it's 50 feet off the fence this time and 150 feet off the fence the next time, you know, so they're growing and changing too. So their styles may adapt accordingly, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you find a pretty willing horse, you know, um, the more horsemanship and time you can spend in the saddle, learning proper horsemanship will help you figure out how to ride that horse. All right. Cruz Williams, what's your question? What is your favorite pregame to warm you and your horse up? Your favorite pregame? Yes. Okay. I'll speak to this one. I don't, you know, you typically like warm up with any music or any like things going on. I'm, I try and stay very in the moment with when I'm warming up, like I want to be excited about the run I'm about to make, the venue that I'm at, the friends I'm around, um, the horse that I'm sitting on. I try and take in all the sights and sounds of what's going on and use that kind of like pump up music. Like for me, that creates some kind of a rhythm that makes me feel really good and excited. But with that said, while I'm at the trailer or when I'm driving to the rodeo, I prefer to listen to um, some kind of upbeat, positive music. Um, I love Elevation Worship. They're my favorite. Um, yes. There's a deal called Elevation Rhythms where they have like kind of like more upbeat, a um, little bit more synthesized music. So it kind of gets you, you know, your blood pumping a little bit, but it keeps you in a positive mindset. So that's what I like to do. I think that my first NFR experience kind of changed that for me. Um, to me, the best part about the finals is the grand entry. And so when we're all sitting there, you know, with our dates, um, you know, it's, it is just so much fun. It's the atmosphere is amazing. And they start playing that. Uh, it, I think it's cha um, uh, championship radio. Um, it's one of their songs. I can't remember which one it is for certain, but anyway, like I have championship radio on Pandora. And so like when I'm pulling into the fairgrounds, that's what I'm usually listening to. Cause it just, it reminds me of that moment. It puts me in a good mindset um, just because, you know, that's so such an exciting time. And uh, we're all really grateful and thankful to be there and be a part of it. Okay, Chloe King. Um, how do you prepare your mental game going to the NFR? I try to prepare for the NFR a lot like I prepare for anything else. I try and take every competition seriously from a small jackpot to a big rodeo. Um, so with that in mind, I want to be very focused and very prepared of course, the NFR is a big deal and, you know, a lot rides on that. So I'm definitely going to make sure I'm as completely prepared as I'm going 
going to be. I don't want to have one little hair out of line. Everything's going to be ready. And when you're prepared, you you pretty well feel like you can you can run the world. And that means you can go to the NFR and do some good while you're there. So uh, that for me takes care of a lot of the jitters and helps me stay mentally ready. Because that way, if I'm there and I ever have doubts come into my mind that are like, oh, you know, this is going to happen. Or what if this happens? I can always check myself and say no you practice that or no, you're prepared. Like you covered that, you took care of that at home. Your horse is ready for this because you prepared. And so for that reason, I can kind of hush all of the doubts that come. See, and it's stuff like that, that I really um, admire Haley. And I learn a lot from her. I always, you know, guys, even, you know, having success in the pro rodeo ranks, like I still seek out help from people like her because she's, I mean, her mental game is insane. I mean, she's just really spot on. Um, I'll be totally honest. My prep for the 2019 NFR was terrible. Um, I had zero confidence going in the finals. I was just hoping and praying that I could get around three barrels and get a time uh, that night. And then my horse won the round. So, you know, it goes to show sometimes you just, you've got to go out there and still do the best you can, even even if you show up and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if my horse is ready for this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, I, I just kind of got there and I a little bit went blank um, to be completely honest. And then, you know, the 2020 NFR was a totally different thing for me. My horse uh, had been outstanding the month prior. I had made some of the best runs I've ever made on him. And we get to the first round of the finals and he doesn't even act like he sees the barrels in the arena, you know, so it, it can go both ways. Um, and that's, the thing about that is, is you have to kind of have that short memory, um, you know, when things aren't good, you know, try to figure out what went wrong, but then fix it and move on and figure out what you've got to do in order to prevent that from happening again. Um, you know, and that was, I had to make several adjustments and it, it was, you know, pretty grueling. The, the mood was not great, you know, at, at my trailer for the first few rounds, cause we just, we couldn't figure out what was going on, but um, you know, I had to get creative um, and figure out why my horse was doing what he was doing. And it was a simple cue that I was causing, um, you know, it was causing him to react the way he was just by my body language, um, you know, but it's something as minor as that can, can take you from first to 15th really quick. So I wanted to ask, cause you guys mentioned that confirmation wasn't really a big deal. So I have a bow-legged horse that I run barrels on. So I wanted to know, like, you guys look at the papers and the confirmation very strictly or if it's more of just the characteristics of a horse. There we I, go. Okay, sorry. I was trying to unmute it. Um, oh, nope. She's back. She's back. She's yelling. <laughs> no, I was, I was waiting. I was trying to establish. Tricky. I'm not going to lie. Beautiful. Haley, you got okay. this one confirmation to me is really important if it's going to be a horse that I'm going to keep in my program. Reason being is overall confirmation is about safety and about reproduction. So if it's a horse that you're going to breed, I would make sure it's structurally sound in all ways. However, like you said, any build of a horse can compete. Just know that when you do have a structural flaw, you may have a weakness there later on. Like let's say bow-legged, okay? They may get sore in their knees. They may get sore in their ankles. Um, there's just like a little bit of a weakness area. But with that said, um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of things that I, I don't necessarily want to reproduce that. So I, I don't mind competing on it. I also don't necessarily want to buy it. If I can find something that's sound that I don't have to inject as often, 
you know, stuff like that, that may be kind of, um, kind of the direction you're thinking is like, what would I go out and find for myself? Then I might pick something that's a little more structurally sound, but like I said, it's kind of up to you, what you want to deal with and uh, what you want to spend your money on. And if you just love that horse and that horse can compete, um, and keep you safe and, you know, keep four legs underneath them, then it's not as big of a deal. Okay. Um, I was wondering, um, how do you stop getting scared if you are scared when you like broke something? It's a little backstory. She broke her arm. So I've actually, I've never knock on had a, a serious injury like that, but, um, I think it is kind of the same, you know, with your horses. I mean, there's always that phase that you've got to go through that you've got to give it a go again. You've got to dust yourself back off, off and get back in the saddle. Um, you know, that's why we're cowgirls and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with having um, that feeling running through you, but there's, it's such a reward whenever you do get back out there and go make your run and everything goes really good knowing that you can do it and you're that strong. How do you get over like your nervousness, not just if you fall off, just when you're going in the gate? I think, like I said earlier, um, preparedness helps me if I can remind myself when I get nervous that I've taken care of that I'm ready my horse is ready I've done everything I can to be ready to compete then I, uh, I do, usually don't get as nervous but with that said butterflies happen to everybody um, we still get them like you know first round of the NFR is a scary time you want things to go well so bad that you get really nervous so usually when when you get nervous that's good. That means you care. I mean, if you weren't nervous, you probably wouldn't care and that you should probably find some other sport. So, um, so first of all, think of it as a good thing that nerves, nerves are okay. Nerves are not your enemy. It's just, how do you use them? Oh, a really wise man once told me that it is okay to have butterflies, just get them in formation. So what that means is you got butterflies rolling around your whole body and you're super nervous. Now I'm going to use all that energy buzzing around in me to focus on my job focus on barrel racing, focus on three good turns, being calm and steady for my horse, putting my horse in the right place. So all that nerves that you have going around, that's energy in your body. Just try and focus it on one thing. And that one thing is the thing we love more than anything, which is barrel racing. So it's easy. Great question. Okay, Avery. Do you ever find satisfaction with your goals? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes we work a really long time, several years uh, to achieve goals. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I get emotional. I, I cry. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of my favorite moments was in 2019 uh, when I won Rodeo Austin and I started just bawling during the interview and then walking my horse back to the trailer. Poor Lisa Lockhart was looking at me like I was a crazy person, but she still came up and gave me a hug and told me good job. Um, you know, moments like that get to a, a point, you know, achieving that goal, it, it just really is uh, very meaningful. What do you think your what's the best advice for someone that's just starting out? First of all, welcome to barrel racing. It's a blast. We have a great time. Um, keep in mind that even if you're just starting out, all of us are just little girls that love horses, right? Um, little boys as well, of course, but um, that's, that's what we are from the beginning. So even if um, you know somebody may be more accomplished than you, never be intimidated. We 
truly all just love horses and we love what we're doing. So if there's ever a point where you feel like, you know, you're, you're just behind or something like that. Cause you're, you're not as good as the people you're around. That's okay. We all started somewhere and there's, there's no shame. There's no timeline. There's no, you need to be this good by this age and win this right now. You've got your whole life to be in barrel racing. So take it slow, take it as fast as you want to. Um, if you're more comfortable staying at the slow speeds for a while, enjoy that. If you feel gutsy and want to go fast, then go fast. Um, just do whatever you're comfortable with because this is something that we're supposed to enjoy, not something we should ever be um, scared of or you know too worried about. It's just it's just something fun to do. So have fun with it. it anything you need to do to make it fun, have fun with it. I love that, Tiffany. Okay, so what do y'all do for y'all's practice? Um, it, it depends on the horse. Uh, you know, some of my horses don't need a lot of time in the arena or going around the barrels. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty trained. Like my, my three rodeo horses, uh, the youngest is eight and then the other two are 11. Uh, I think sister is 10. And so, you know, our horses are fairly experienced. They've been doing this for a while, so we don't have to practice on them a lot and make a lot of practice runs. Um, but like the younger horses that we're bringing up or like that four-year-old that I took with me to, to Iowa, you know, he gets to go around the barrels and we go places and, and make some practice runs and get some experience and whatnot. It's just, uh, kind of depends. Um, every, every horse is a, you know, a different level and, um, you know, we kind of play it by ear depending on, on where they're at. Do you guys train or, um, raise the horses that you usually compete on? A little bit of everything. Um, it really just depends on the person. We can all do it differently. Some people prefer to buy them trained. Some prefer to train their own. I like to kind of be all over the spectrum. Um, I've bought uh, one that was trained that was really good. He's still really good. His name's TJ. Um, you know, I didn't do any of his training. Um, I seasoned him at the rodeos, but that's about it. Um, sister, I trained, um, a majority of others I have, um, I have raised a couple. It's a very hard thing to raise horses. So, um, keeping them, you know, sound and together and all their legs underneath them through their growing up years is a, is a true task. There are people who do that for a living. So it's a great thing to go and buy prospects if it's something that you want to do to train your horse. But um, one great thing about people that have been doing it for a long, long, long time when it comes to training is they don't make many mistakes. You're usually gonna find a horse that's sane and nice to be around and uh, really solid on the pattern. So basically there's no, um, you know, I, I do a little bit of everything, but there's no real uh, way to do it. It's kind of just whatever fits for you. Yeah, Sadie. How many horses do y'all have? I have six. I have three that I rodeo on and three that are up and coming um, kind of projects. And then I also have three broodmares right now that are um, carrying babies, but they won't be here until uh, next spring. So technically just six of them on the ground right now. Oh, that's exciting. Haley, you can answer yeah. this one too. Um, I have about 20 um, all shapes, sizes, and ages, including, like Emily said, some that are uh, budding to be sprung into next year and make my life busier. Wow, that's a lot of horses to take care of and be on the road rodeoing. 
which that's where it comes back to say of having a really good support system too. Hi, um, I just wanted to know if you guys have like a specific bit that you ride on all your horses or do you guys do like a, um, like fit the bit to the horse? I have like a ton of different bits, like way too many bits. Um, main thing about bits is you need to know what they do, what, what they do, like how they work, how they function and what the purpose of them is, what you're trying to get out of them. So not just like how they affect the horse, but what kind of, what are you trying to, are you trying to have a stiffer horse? Are you trying to have a horse that can stop a horse that can, you know, go forward and lean on the bit a little bit? Um, it depends on the horse. So it's different for every horse. And um, back to what Emily was saying about exercise, like horses are individuals. They are all so different. So learning about your horse and what its specific needs are, as well as learning about the bits and uh, educate yourself best you can. Um, so yeah, I have um, a bunch of bits. I usually ride a different one almost every day. Um, I have four or five favorites for everyday bits at home. And those are not necessarily the ones that they run in. And uh, I try to switch it up so that they stay fresh minded. They don't get too used to one bit or another. Or if I'm trying to get a different response out of the horse each day, if I want to work the horse to be a little more round, if I want to get them a little bit stiffer, um, if I need to work on rate, or if I need to work on getting them to go more like faster into the bit, uh, take a bigger stride, I'll put a different bit on for each of those things I'm trying to yeah. And Haley, what about like how important is it for you to know your own hands too for each bit? Super important. And that's a really good point. Um, everybody uses a bit differently because we all are different as far as our builds. I'm, I'm real short and I've got short, really strong arms. So I have to know that I may be a little more likely to pull a little harder than some people but I also don't have a lot of upper body strength because I'm little. So just knowing your own body and how it works for you and what your hands do, uh, that's all really important as well. Yeah. Okay, Rylan, she's yeah. snappy on that. She heard her name and she like jumped up out of her chair. She's been waiting patiently. <laughs> hey, actually, I have a question for Haley. So I'm, I'm Robin Rylan's question. I, found, I read an article a long time ago, seemed like he was talking about how sister was stiff and you really had a problem with her softness and this and that. And we have a horse, ironically named sister too, that on the slow work and whatnot, you know, I can get a good bend, get her to bend around my leg and all that. But as soon as you put any speed behind that, she gets super, super stiff around those barrels. And you had mentioned in that article about, I think it was Sherry Servey, you patterned your training after that or something. And I was wondering what exactly did you do? Maybe not exactly, but roundabout that helped you with sister. Yeah, good question. I'm looking it up on my phone right now so I can kind of hold it up and show you. But go on YouTube. She does some drills. Here it is. It's uh, Classic Equine posted it and it says um, Sherry Survey riding De Niro. And look up this drill. Um, this is kind of what it looks like. She has got him loping circles and she does these circles around the barrel, like bigger circles and smaller circles to where she can gain control. And what it does is it keeps his hind end driving up underneath him 
so that he doesn't ever get where he's strung out. So to me, stiffness in the in the head and neck aren't a big deal, but stiffness in the body is a really big deal. So uh, thank you for typing that. Someone just put it in the chat. Um, yep, I, I think it. they put that the whole thing. So great. Um, so that's on there. And uh, yeah, just look that up. But like I said, it keeps the, the back end moving. So as long as their feet are moving up underneath them, they stay soft in their rib cage. You don't have to worry about the stiffness about their head and neck. Heck, sis is still stiff in her head and neck, but she's just kind of built that way. So um, that's that's what I kind of look at. And yeah, look up those drills because those helped me a lot. Okay, okay. thanks. Reese. So I was wondering about, mostly about like using poultices and liniments and stuff like that for soreness in general, because I'm not sure like when to use them or what kind of horses to use them on and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm, I use those pretty sparingly, uh, to be totally honest, I'm more of an ice person. So if I'm going to do something post run, um, it's typically icing their legs. I will use poultice and stuff. Like if they've got, um, an issue where they've got some inflammation in a leg, uh, rather, you know, they've kicked the stall or, or kick the fence or something, you know, and you've got to get that swelling down. Um, you know, I usually wrap it. Um, the pneumatazine is probably one of my favorites. Um, but it is really stinky and everything sticks to it. So that one's not for everybody, but it's, um, you know, there's a lot of really great ones on the market. Um, you know, there's, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer as far as which one specifically is the best. It just kind of depends on the situation, um, you know, and, and how your horse, you know, what, what you're trying to alleviate there. We're down to like the last eight minutes. And so we want to respect Haley and Emily's time because we appreciate them taking this time. So um, I love one of the questions that Macy Paul has, and it is, do you guys have a favorite Bible verse? And you guys can both answer this one. Um, I I have a favorite and it's Isaiah 41.10. Um, look that up. You will love it. I actually have a ton of favorites. So my best advice would be read your Bibles. Um, find a devotional book that points out different verses every day. Because for me, there's no magic words. It's the whole thing is a whole lot of good and a whole lot of information that you can apply to everything. Yes, I also love the Elevation podcast, and I recommend everybody listen to that because it's so relatable, and it's fun, and it's upbeat, and you'll get a whole good dose of everything you need. Okay, Emily. You guys would think at this point in this podcast or Zoom meeting that I would remember to unmute, um, <laughs> but no, I, I do agree with Haley, and, and you know, Haley, uh, she was one that pointed out like the serious radio too, you know, listening to message, um, you know, I I think that anything that you can get, um, like that is, is really important. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to put you in the right state of mind and, and help you. Um, and so I, I don't know that I particularly have a favorite. I, it kind of depends what I'm going through. Um, you know, I, I mean, just daily, um, I've got an abundance of ones that I love, but not one in particular that I'm just is the one. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, um, is some of the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, some of the best advice I've been given is to um, take everything in stride and take everything like barrel by barrel, literally turn by turn. Just um, enjoy your moments that you're given and um, no, don't think too far ahead in the future. Um, just, just try and stay in the moment and stay grateful for what you've uh, been around. I think that 
when, when I focus on barrel racing, I think of it turn by turn. And when I focus on just my daily moments, the things I get to see, the little blessings, um, I try and keep that in mind. This is a, a it's a long process of life. So I want to make sure that I get to enjoy all of it. You know, my dad told me from the time I was a little girl, um, he said, you've got to remember, we do this fun and we love it and we love our horse. And anytime that, you know, you, I think somebody just posted in the chat about getting burnt out or frustrated. Uh, you know, we, sometimes we get too focused in my opinion on the end result instead of remembering like what an amazing life we get to live doing this and sharing it with these amazing animals. And, um, just remember that, you know, the whole reason you're out here, the whole reason, you know, you're, you're with your horse is because you love it. And, um, I think if you keep that mindset, it'll, it'll make everything else work out for you. That is great advice. And so we have an awesome group. Like there's um, been around a hundred people in and out of this uh, Zoom tonight, listening to you guys. And, you know, we're so thankful for that. And you girls have set such a wonderful example for these kids. And that's why they're here uh, because of the example you set and the way that you live your lives and the way that you represent cowgirls, cowboys, rodeo, the lifestyle, your faith and everything. So thank you for that, for sure. Um, and I just, do you guys have any, it's in the last five minutes and what are like any closing things that you have to share with these kids um, going up and down the road who have big dreams, big goals and big hearts? Something I would like to say to all of you is I'm proud of you. I don't know what state you're at or what you're doing, but I know that you're involved in youth rodeo and I'm proud of you for it. It's not easy. It's not the easiest sport you'll do. You've chosen the hard road. <laughs> Welcome to it. Um, but if you love it, it will be the best thing you've ever done. Whether you continue in rodeo after junior high, after high school, after college, uh, into the pro ranks, or if you just have a horse for the rest of your life and you love it forever, it doesn't matter. We are all on the same team of loving horses and wanting to be around them all the time. So uh, thank you for competing and continuing what we feel like, you know, we want to, we want to get better all the time. We want to improve the sport of rodeo and you guys are the future of it. Awesome. That was, that was great, Haley. And yeah. Um, you know, love your horse, take care of your horse. Um, you know, you, I mean, it's amazing that we get to do this with these incredible animals and something else that I want to um, point out too, is make sure you tell your parents, thank you, um, or your grandparents or your brother or sister or whoever is taking you, um, spending this time, you know, devoting it to you. So you get to participate in youth rodeos or spend time with your horses, whether it's 4-H or little britches or whatever, um, you're participating in, make sure that you tell them how much you appreciate it because it is important. Um, your parents sacrifice a lot for you to get to, to do this. And um, it's an amazing lifestyle. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that would love to trade you spots. So just make sure you uh, keep that grateful mindset. And everybody who, hold on, just say everybody who is wanting an autograph, we have lots of requests for autographs. What I recommend that you guys do because we want to value these ladies' time and appreciate what they do, um, let's send them a thank you letter and then send them a stamped envelope so they can send you one back. Um, and if you guys will do us one favor, please, in your thank you note, um, if you, whether you want to address it to Team 12 Gauge or you want to say something in your note, um, we have this sponsor is the reason that we are able to talk to you guys tonight. So 
uh, because of that, we want you guys to understand how great we are to them. And so please express that in any way you feel like you should to them. We would appreciate it. Um, they're truly. Yeah, no, they're the 12 gauge ranch has been, uh, they've been so supportive of not only us as pro rodeo athletes, but also youth rodeo. Uh, you know, it's a, an incredible, um, movement that they've got going. And so like Haley said, you know, part of the reason we're able to be here tonight or a large majority of it is because of them. So, you know, when you guys send that, just, you know, express your thanks to them for supporting, you know, the rodeo community and rodeo athletes too. Can you guys explain just a little bit before we end what the 12 gauge ranch is so that they know what they're, what you guys are talking about? Yeah. So you'll, you have to look them up too. Like, um, they have merchandise and everything on Facebook. Um, you know, Instagram, be sure you go, you know, if you've got social media, um, yeah, go follow their, their stuff. They do, um, have a podcast called the gauge, um, you know, that Haley and Ivy and I were all on together, which was a lot of fun. Um, we did have a pretty big time. Um, Haley's done an individual one as well as myself. Um, you know, so they, they really, they're, they're there to promote the sport of rodeo. They're here to make it better for us. Um, and also better for you guys, you know, they're wanting, he, I mean, he's a businessman that has a ton of great ideas and is here to help implement it. So that way we can take rodeo to the next level, um, and, you know, make it better for the athletes and better for the horses and, and better for the spectators and the fans. So, um, it's, it's a really, really important, um, group of people that are behind us there. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's important for you guys to, to always understand that sponsors are what make this whole association and everything that we get to do tick from your youth associations to your local jackpots to the big pro rodeos and the NFR. It takes sponsors. So um, we will definitely make sure to send those to that. Um, so thank you ladies so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, sorry for those that didn't get their questions answered. We do have them in the chat, so we'll do our best to get to them. Um, I'll send these to these ladies as well. And looks like Haley's got her hand full with her cat. So <laughs> I do. I know he just climbed up here for the end of the podcast. So bye. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you to Haley Kinzel and Emily Beisel for taking time out of their day to join us on this Zoom. We appreciate it more than you could ever know. And to the 12 Gauge Ranch for creating so many opportunities and supporting rodeo athletes in the rodeo industry like you are. Um, together, we can all make a huge difference and grow this community. I invite you all to check out the rodeokids.com website. We have so many cool things to offer there. We've made some updates. We have the blogs. We have videos of kids doing other drills so that you can learn from your peers. And there's still time to apply for the 2022 rodeokids.com ambassador team. Applications are due December 
first. And it's an awesome way for you to grow yourself, your resume, and give back to others by sharing your experiences and advice as well. Because as we've learned from Haley and Emily, that there's so much to offer and that we're in this together and that we're all on the same team. So head on over to rodeokids.com backslash ambassadors to apply for the 2022 ambassador team.